and people were really willing to tell their stories. I think for them, it made them feel validated that their life had some meaning, that they could share their story. So uh, as much as I was grateful that they were sharing their story with me, they were grateful to me for collecting their stories. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and creative guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives, especially as we age. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And I love to hear from my listeners. My new website, ZestfulAging.com, is up, and it makes it easy for you to leave comments or suggestions. As a psychotherapist with a specialty in food and eating issues, I know that the holidays can be a real challenge when it comes to food. Food and family visits are often a tricky combination. So if you'd like to learn how to have a more peaceful relationship with food, eating, and your body, both during the holidays and the rest of the year, check out my web course, The Wisdom of Mindful Eating. This course is super practical and it's user-friendly. It has the power to change your life. You'll find the course on the website, zestfulaging.com. Our music is provided by Judy Banker, who was a guest on Zestful Aging. Her CD, Buffalo Motel, will be out in January of 2020. Find out more about Judy at her website, judybanker.com. Well, I've got my Jack Russell Sparky right by my side, so let's begin. We have a real treat for you today. I'm speaking with Sky Bergman, who's an accomplished award-winning photographer and filmmaker. Lives Well Lived, Sky's directorial debut celebrates the incredible wit and wisdom of adults 75 to 100 years old who are living their lives to the fullest, encompassing over 3,000 years of experience, 40 people share their secrets and insights to live a meaningful life. Their intimate memories and inspiring personal histories will make you laugh, perhaps cry, but mostly inspire you. And this film has now been screened in over 150 cities. Sky's fine art photography is included in permanent collections, and her commercial photography has appeared on book covers and in magazine spreads. She's currently a professor of photography and video, where she's been teaching since 1995. Welcome to the show, Sky. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So I wanted to obviously talk about the documentary, but I know that it began actually with your relationship with your own grandmother. Yes, I really was very fortunate that my grandmother lived to be 103 and a half, and uh, we were very close. And at the age of 96, she came out to visit me for the first time. She lived in Florida and I live in California. And for the next four summers, she spent the month of August with me. And I really started doing video because I fil was filming her cooking. She, her way of sharing love was through her cooking. And she never wrote a recipe town, just like any good cook. And so mm. I 
I thought I'd better document this or I will lose all of this. And we started doing these wonderful cooking videos together. And when she was um, 99, getting ready to turn 100, I flew back with her for her 100th birthday party. And she was still working out at the gym. And I went and filmed her at the gym working out. Mm. And I, because I thought nobody's going to believe she's still working out at almost 100. <laughs> and uh, she, I mean, she was my motivation to keep working out and doing my little yoga practice. And I thankfully had a mic on her. And I just said to her, Grandma, can you give me some words of wisdom? And that was really the beginning of this project. She said things like, be kind and live life to the limits. And I came back from that trip and I thought, wow, I want to find other people out there in the world that are as much an inspiration as my grandmother is to me. And mm -hmm. that was that was the beginning of, of the whole project right there. So you didn't see it as this, you when you started interviewing her and videotaping her, you didn't think, well, let me, this is sort of the, the beginning of a documentary. It was really for you to um, remember her and to to record things that were precious to you. Absolutely. And I always tell my students that the more personal, the more universal a message becomes. And I think that um, because it started out with my grandmother, when I went to interview the other people and they knew that I was so passionate about it and they could see the love that I had for my grandmother, they really opened up in a very different way. And so you, I think you can see that and, and feel that when you're watching the film. I see. Yes, definitely. That's, that's one thing I was going to comment on, that there's this beautiful sort of I don't know if expose is the right word but there's these beautiful interviews and so in-depth and so personal but you are also in it you're clearly in it you're not detached reporting on these people's lives well, that's true. I think that I tried to keep my voice out of it, except where I was dealing with my grandmother. But I think that you, you, I become the viewer um, when I'm filming. And so I act like the person that's viewing the film. Uh, but I think that one of the reasons why people were so comfortable talking with me was not just because of my grandmother, but also because I would go and meet with people ahead of time and no cameras, nothing, just really have a conversation with them and get to know them. So that when I went to interview them and I brought the camera gear, it wasn't the first time that they were I was meeting with them. I think that would have been really mm -hmm. awkward. It's hard to have a camera in front of you and to talk naturally, I think. And um, whatever I could do to make them comfortable, I was usually a one-woman crew. Maybe I'd have a student with me to help me carry the gear in, but I really tried to keep it very minimal so that it really was more of a, a conversation. And um, what I learned along the way was also to ask the follow-up questions. I had a list of questions that I worked really hard on putting together, but I, I realized that um, sometimes it just the question would open the door to something amazing and um, that I had to follow up on that. And people mm -hmm. were really willing to tell their stories. I think for them, it made them feel validated that their life had some meaning, that they could share their story. So uh, as much as I was grateful that they were sharing their story with me, they were grateful to me for collecting their stories. Yeah. Oh, I could see it was really a, of mutual benefit. And is that in documentary making, is that something that's talked about is sort of having a relationship with your uh, people before you bring the cameras in? Or is that something that you just wanted to do? 
You know, because this is my first film, I don't really know what the rules are, which is probably a good idea because I think I've broken most of them. <laughs> um, I think that I just went with my gut intuition, which was that I wanted to make people comfortable and that I, I, I had to do it in a way that I felt was the right way for me to do it so that these people would feel comfortable sharing their stories. Because, you know, they weren't just telling me their stories. They knew that they were telling it for an audience that was going to see it on a wider scale. And so I think that um, what a gift they gave me that they were so open about things that happened in their lives. I, I really felt so grateful. Mm, and some of them, I would say, were quite tragic. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that I really learned in doing this film was that these people went through really difficult times, um, yet they still remained so positive in the midst of all these tragedies. And I think that, you know, there's a cliche about that glass being half full rather than half empty. Mm -hmm. And um, I was looking for people that remained positive as they aged. And I think that one of the things that all these people had in common was even in the midst of great tragedy, they still tried to remain positive. And as Evie Justison said, you know, your attitude, this is from Viktor Frankl, that she really took this in, that your attitude is really the only thing you can control, that mm -hmm. you may not be able to control the things that are happening around you, but you can control your attitude about those things. And um, that really has helped me because... I'll wake up sometimes, as we all do, on the wrong side of the bed, and I will think about these people in the film and the things that they went through, and the things I'm going through seem so minor mm -hmm. that I kind of reevaluate and and have an attitude adjustment very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have heard that before. For uh, actually, John Leyland talks mm -hmm. about that in his book, "Happiness Is a Choice." That exact that exact sentiment. Hey, Zestfulagers. Last year, I attended the International Federation on Aging's Global Conference in Toronto, and they've announced the 15th Global Conference on Aging for Niagara Falls, Ontario, from November 1st through 3rd, 2020. Zestful Aging Podcast is a proud partner for this conference, and I encourage you to all consider attending. The conference features prominent experts presenting and discussing critical issues within the field of aging. So head on over to ifa2020.org to learn more. And I hope to see you in Niagara Falls in November. Would you say that, I know this is your first film, but you've done other work, you've done a lot of photography, um, and I'm wondering is, do you think this is your most personal project? Um, I would say that it, it is the most personal project that I've done. I think that um, I've always tried to include my family in things that I do, whether it's that I travel to a particular place or that I use them in my work. Um, you know, I, I think that that's really important for me. That's just my own personal view of how I like to do my work. I'm very lucky because I teach at a university so I can say no to a lot of jobs and say yes to the ones that I think are really interesting. Or I can do a project like this where nobody's paying me, but it's a passion project and it's something that I just feel like I have to do. I don't have a choice. I just have to do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a good thing because 
I mean, it took me four years of filming and then another year of editing. So it was a five-year process just mm -hmm. to get the film done. Uh, but I think I needed that time to really develop as a filmmaker and to um, take in all the stories. And there were some people that I went back and interviewed multiple times. And so I am glad that I had the time to really work on it and allow it to kind of come to fruition in the way that it needed to. But I would, I would say, yes, it is a, one of the most personal projects that I've worked on. And I am so grateful for my grandmother that she left me this legacy because I really, I have like 40 new grandparents. I mean, I'm so oh, lucky. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, you know, Lou Tadone, who is, a, when you see the film, if you haven't seen it, he's a was a pediatrician in town, and now yes. he makes fresh mozzarella every morning for his daughter's I, oh. deli. <laughs> And I go visit him once a week, and if I don't visit him, he will email me to ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> and um, I, I actually, one time, I, I really, I was sick. I had the stomach flu, and the next morning, there was chicken soup on my front porch. <gasps> and how great! He's now 96. I mean, how wonderful oh. to have a 96-year-old friend who looks out for you and leaves chicken soup on your front porch when you're sick. <laughs> That's some so. of the intergenerational uh, work that has been uh, has been highlighted lately how important it is to have friends of of different generations absolutely and you know yeah. one of the hopes for that i have for the film that we've been um seeing come to fruition is that we have intergenerational screenings and then projects happen as a result of those intergenerational screenings where we bring people together and um it, it's been so wonderful to have those things happen where there will be students that will come up to me after these screenings and after these intergenerational projects that we've done and say thank you so much because we didn't have contact with somebody who is older our grandparents are have passed away or they don't live by us or all these different reasons why they don't have an elder in their lives and what a difference it has made and you know one of the things that I found when I was doing the research for the film is that the last hundred years is the first time in human history that we've looked to anyone other than our elders for advice and I feel the world is suffering as a result. So mm -hmm. if I, if the film in some way brings those generations together, then I am just so happy that that can happen. Mm. So you've got the personal piece, which is it, it, your life has been so enriched by knowing these folks. And then their lives have been enriched by having an opportunity to talk about what's important to them and their lives. And then the hope is that the ripple effect is people are going to see this and say, wow, this is an important connection. And I have to look outside my little peer group because uh, it, it, it's, an, it's enriching and makes me understand the world better. Absolutely. And one of the things that I did is actually on the website because I realized that I had to stop interviewing people or I could go on forever and I never get a film done. So one of the things that I wanted to do is to make the project more inclusive rather than exclusive. And so there is a place on the website where people can actually share their stories or the stories of their loved ones. And the questions that I asked everyone, about half of them are on the website. So I think one of the hardest things when you're thinking about interviewing somebody is what questions are you going to ask and how are you going to start 
that conversation. And it's really difficult if you just say to somebody, well, tell me about your life. You know, that's almost too open-ended and too wide of a question. And so having that framework, I think, is really helpful. So I would encourage anyone that has a loved one that would, would really like to delve into what their life was like a little bit more, go to the website and mm -hmm. download the questions and use those just as a guide. And then, of course, come up with your own. But at least it gives you a starting point. Yes, I, I saw that in the film where you actually put the question on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this long, long process as an, uh, someone who, when I get an idea, I kind of want to go and, and get into it. And, you know, patience isn't always my, my best trait. I'm wondering, you know, you were so passionate, so excited. How did you deal with some of the lulls? And it's a long time to be working on a project, five years. Well, I will say that um, when I started it, I didn't realize that I was going to be making a film. I, I just thought I might do a web series or something. And then as I got into it, and I, I actually, when I interviewed Marion Wolf, who she was grew up in um, Berlin and then migrated over to Vienna, Austria because of the war. Mm -hmm. And she was Jewish and she was on the very first kinder transport out of Vienna, Austria, where the um, Quakers in the UK were trying to save um, German and Austrian kids and they were giving them foster homes in the UK. They saved 10,000 children. And and she was one of them. And she still had the cardboard number that she wore around her neck when she was eight years old and was sent on that kinder transport. And I still get chills every time oh that I think gosh. about that image. And um, I realized that I needed to make a feature length film. So that was kind of midway through the time that I was interviewing people. And it just gave me a new uh, sense of purpose and a new sense of um, energy. And I I think that I don't know why I thought I could make a feature length film, never having done it before, or why I thought that would be the way to get the message out. But for some reason, you know, again, I think it's follow your intuition. And that was my intuition was that this needed to be something bigger than what I had originally anticipated. And um, I think that if you can see that end goal and you are also able to be flexible and keep changing and um, adapt as things change around you, uh, that really helps as well. And um, so I was very lucky, you know, that I just had that passion to keep going with the project. And it was really, I wanted to get something on the big screen while my grandmother was still alive. And I'm happy to say that we did a sneak preview of the film and my grandmother was there along with 27 of the 40 oh. people that I interviewed. And it was one of the happiest days of my life to be able to share oh. that film with my grandmother and with all those people that were in the film. And um, oh. what a gift that was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is just, that's life changing. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> What were her comments? Did she say anything? Um, oh, she was to, such a yeah. proud grandma. There, it was a, a sold-out screening. There were 850 people there. And oh. I think she greeted everyone that came through <laughs> that door. <laughs> it was pretty remarkable. Did she ask was, if they wanted her autograph? Well, as she, we, you know, after that, we, we were around town, and, and people would come up to her and say, oh, my goodness, I saw you in that movie. And she just loved it. So oh, it was great. My. It was great. Wow. And I, you know, she was very proud, and I think that she um, uh, didn't fully understand the magnitude of her power that she had that really inspired me to create this film. And then when she saw it that night, I think it was just, it was, it, like I said, it was the best night of my whole life, was oh, that night. I, it, it, 
it sounds so powerful and I, I can't even imagine what you must have been feeling. That is such a beautiful a vision of lots of love going in many Absolutely. directions. <laughs> is there any, uh, you know, sometimes I'll talk to my clients. I live near a university and I talk to them and, and they, they might finish their dissertations or they just get tenure and they think it's going to be like, oh my goodness. But then after a really big project, sometimes there's like, okay, that was the best thing I ever did. And now what's next? How am I going to, how am I going to top that? I mean, how is it? for you now that this is being shown it's being shown all over and now you know what's you're next fin- what's next <laughs> what, you're so i think with it. yeah but i think that um what i realize is that the film continues to inspire people and it's an evergreen film and so um i feel like i'm very lucky because i've been able to go travel with the film and talk to people and really inspire these intergenerational connections so i think that that's amazing and the next two films that I'm working on. I'm working on two short films. Both have an intergenerational component to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're short films, so they'll, they'll be done and out there in the world by January. And that's kind of nice also to change it up and do something that's a short film. But then um, the next feature length film that I'm going to work on is um, the topic of love, because one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Lives Well Live film was when people talked about how they met and whether it was five years ago or 50 years ago, you could still see the twinkle in their eyes and some of the wonderful things they said about staying together and staying in a relationship. And, you know, we all want love in some way. And so how do we not only find love but then how do we stay in love and I think um, that so that'll be the next film so I think the way that I have dealt with it is to say wow that was amazing and um, as a number of people in the film and the lives will live film said you know it's really important to live in the moment and so I try with every screening and everything that happens just to remember how amazing that that feeling is that all these people are enjoying the film and what a gift that is and um, to really be grateful for the moment and yet still have some other projects that are on the horizon and that um, I can look forward to working on. Mm-hmm. Doing both at the same right. time, this idea of really enjoying and appreciating and then saying, oh, this this sounds like this could be fun doing Absolutely. both. Yeah, right. yep. yep. That's a big concept in psychotherapy is holding <laughs> two feelings at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's really amazing. And um, any, any challenges that you want to talk about in making the film besides, you know, I, I know you had to travel quite a bit. Anything that come up that, that came up that you had to to deal with? Well, I think the biggest challenge when you're taking something on like this is, first of all, it's so massive that it's always, I, I always tell my students, dream big, but break that dream up into smaller chunks so that they are achievable rather than this massive thing that just seems so overwhelming. If you can break it down into smaller uh, goals to achieve, then it somehow doesn't seem quite as daunting. Um, I think the other thing for me was, you know, I'm a first-time filmmaker, so nobody was giving me money to make the film. I really had to believe in it myself and, and come up with the money myself. And um, I I did some creative financing, which mm. is that my kids are out of the house, and um, I have a big house, and I rented out rooms in my house. <laughs> and oh, And so wow. I think the other thing is to... 
um, think outside the box and think about if this is really something that you want to do, instead of saying why, say why not and figure mm -hmm. out how you can make that happen. And I think that's a good lesson for anyone to hear, whether it's making a film or doing whatever you're doing. A lot of times we put our own roadblocks in our way and um, I just decided that I wasn't going to let any roadblock stand in my way and I was just going to figure out a way to make it happen and say why instead of why not, you know, and just, or, you know, why not just go for it instead of, oh, I don't know, I have this, you know, I don't have enough money. And I never even thought that way. I just thought, okay, gonna I'm going to make this yeah. happen. <laughs> and if it were a film about, I don't know, antique cars or something, it might have been different, but it mm -hmm. sounds like you were so personally invested in this and saw the importance of it and knew that other people could benefit from it, that it was worth maybe stretching yourself a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I would get up at four in the morning and start editing the film before I went in to teach that day. And so I think that you do make sacrifices if it's something that is really important to you, but it doesn't feel like a sacrifice because you're so invested in seeing it happen. And it gives you such great pleasure to um, see the end result and see how it affects people. And I think that that's really the important lesson to learn. And, you know, I'm working on these two other films and I think, well, it takes you know, like a year to put together a 10 minute film. <laughs> that seems like, oh my goodness. But, you know, really to distill it down, to get the essence, um, I think it's really important to spend the time to get it right. And mm -hmm. I um, also, I, you know, I applaud people that work on very difficult subjects and, you know, things that are really depressing. That is not me. I have to work on something that's positive and optimistic because I eat, live, and breathe what I'm working on. And so, like, for example, the next one of the next short films that I'm working on is um, called Forever Voters. And it's all about getting high school students registered and then getting out there and voting. And it started because one of the people in the Lives Well Live film, Evie Justison, is part of the League of Women Voters. And here in San Luis Obispo County in California, they're going into all the high schools and talking to seniors about the importance of voting, the history of voting, and why one vote really matters. And they end their talk by allowing the students to, in California, you can pre-register at 16, and they allow oh. the students to sign up to pre-register, or if they're 18, they can just register to vote. And it gives the students a feeling of empowerment. I mean, those students, it's the first time that somebody's really talked to them like an adult, and this is the first adult thing that they're going to do. And it, you can't even imagine the feeling that happens. Oh and I love that intergenerational connection, but also this positive idea of like, we are one vote really matters and let's get out there and, and vote. So, um, so that's the one that's been taking the last year of my life. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, a, you know, again, a very positive feeling film and i think that that's that will be anything that i work on will have that positive feeling to it well it's not only positive but you're really doing good for the world uh well you know i think that what i have learned is that this is one way that i can have my voice heard and mm -hmm. i'm i'm good at storytelling and so i think that i finally after all you know this is the other great thing i'd started the lives will live film as i was approaching 50 i'm now 53 and i realized i have a whole new career in front of me which is as a filmmaker and i think that's also kind of a wonderful thing because i realize that is what i'm best at it takes all those things i'm good in music and i'm good visually and i'm good storytelling and i can put all those things together 
to create something that might affect change in some way. And I know that for me, like for voting, I'm not going to knock on people's doors. That's not what I'm good at, but mm -hmm. I am really good at putting a short film together that might inspire um, young people or any people of any age to sign up and then actually get out and vote. Mm -hmm. And that to me is where, you know, know what your strengths are and use them. I think that that's um, being in my 50s, I think I finally found my strength. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because I've had a similar experience being a podcaster that it brings together all the things I love to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as a psychotherapist, for 30 years, you know, I've done, I think, hopefully a good job. But there's a way in which talking to people all over the world about their projects and how they're putting goodness out in the world just brings it to a whole new level of excitement and um, just the sense of like, wow, I'm, I'm having some kind of impact, uh, hopefully a positive impact. And that's, you can't put a, a dollar sign on that. Not at all. No, I think that that is just one of the gifts that I have been given doing this project and realizing that um, this is far, for me, um, far more fulfilling than having any work in a gallery or having any work on a magazine cover or a book cover to do something like this where I feel like I really uh, can affect change in quite an amazing way. Um, it, uh, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> In ways you don't even know about. That's the thing that's amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. when I get downloads in like Nigeria and the Ukraine and Vietnam, I think, who are these people? Right. This is <laughs> freaking me out. <laughs> it's pretty did, amazing, yeah. yeah. Did you ever hear this expression that, you know, when you're doing this thing you love, like your filmmaking, that you feel like you've come home? Is that something that you've heard? Or I, I haven't heard it, but it absolutely absolutely yeah. feels like uh, that describes kind of the feeling that I have in doing this. And I think it's not just the filmmaking. I think it's also I learned that I have become a pretty good speaker when I go out and speak after the film. And mm -hmm. um, now I'm doing, you know, I'll show a shorter version of the film and do talks about how do you collect the stories of your elders and or your loved ones. And I think that um, that is also just equally as fulfilling because I see people in the room, you know, really get excited about the possibility of going home and collecting the stories of the people that they love. And I always end the film by saying, you know, I'm a first time filmmaker. If I can do this, you can do it too. And I ask how many people in the room are thinking about somebody that would have been perfect for the film or you would have been perfect for the film. And I would say 99% of the hands go up. And oh, so wow. if I can then through the film inspire people to want to go and collect the stories of their loved ones and then talk to them about how to do that, there's nothing better. Oh, my goodness. So you're, you're giving them a gift, too. You're saying, look what you can do mm -hmm. when you really, really want to. Absolutely, yes. That's a beautiful message of hope. Yeah, that's that's great. Anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? I know you have so you've heard so many stories, 3000 years of experience. If you could boil down just a couple points for our listeners who are also in our age range in the 50s mm -hmm. and they're embarking on the next phase, what would you say to them? Well, I would say a couple of things. One is my favorite quote from the film is from Lutadone 
who says happiness is a state of mind. You can be happy with the, with what you have or miserable with what you don't have. You decide. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really think that that is so true. And we can change our attitude and be happier, be miserable. It's really up to us. And then I think the other thing that I really learned um, in working on the film came from Blanche Brown when she said, you know, really live in the moment and be present. And I think that I do that much more now than I did before. And um, so grateful to have had those words of wisdom that I think about all the time. And my life has forever changed as a result. I really mm-hmm. think that I'm much happier. I am much more in the moment than I used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, it, it doesn't take much to change that, but you do kind of have to do it a little bit consciously. But you'll find that if you can consciously think about what your attitude is and living a little more in the moment, your life will be so much better. Absolutely. I mean, some people who do a lot of mindfulness work say that's almost a way of extending your life. Mm. If you're here in the present, you're really living those moments rather than being in the future or the past where you're not even there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. That's beautiful. Has it made you a better teacher, do you think, of doing this film? Um, I think so. I think that, Mm. you know, I'm much more... um, uh, well, uh, what I've learned from doing the film, all the mistakes that I've made and everything that I've learned, I can certainly bring that back to the classroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I can hear the passion in your voice, Sky. <laughs> it's just so wonderful to to talk to you about this project. It sounds like it had a major positive impact on the people you interviewed and the people who are seeing it and and you as well. Absolutely. And I really, and thank you so much for taking the time to interview me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And uh, just let us know where where folks can find the film and yeah. learn more about your work. Sure. If you um, go to lives-well-live.com or just mm-hmm. Google Lives Well Lived, it's mm-hmm. the first thing that comes up. And um it, you know, there's all the screenings are on there. There's information mm-hmm. about signing up for our email list so that you'll know when the DVD is out. And, um, and also that you can share your stories with your, with your loved ones. And all of that's on there. Also, one of my favorite parts of the website is actually the film stars part of the page where um, you can go to that page and you'll see my favorite quotes from all the 40 film stars that I interviewed. And, and mm-hmm. that's, those are kind of like good quotes to live by, I think. <laughs> that sounds great. So it's lives-well-live.com. Yes. And what about your personal website? Do you have your own website? Yes, I do. It's just skybergman.com. And okay. that has some of my photography on there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, little li- have links to all these other projects that I'm working on as well. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. 
If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.